Good morning. Um, names matter, don't they? If you've ever had the privilege of naming a child, it matters. Um, we've had four, um, and we've, I think, called them all uh, names that we've chosen. I think Jacob was the only one that we changed minds, our mind when we saw him. We thought, doesn't look like that. He looks like this. So we re- we came up with another name, but it's, it's, a, it's a great time as a parent to go through all the books. What do the names mean? Um, it doesn't help if you know a little bit about the Bible of what you're going to call. You, you, I wanted to call one of our children Caleb. I thought that's a beautiful name. Isn't it a beautiful name? Until you realize what it means. And she's like, you're not calling my, my son that. I'm like, oh. Um, and there's other ones in the Bible. You think, oh, there's the great names out there. But uh, Names matter. Now, some of the names that, we, obviously, Rachel being a teacher, there were some names that she would go, I'd say, what about this name? She'd go, no, 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 no. I've got one of them in my class. Definitely not. That's, that's, that. But it's true, isn't it? When you say a name, you immediately think to all the people you know with that name. And if it's a good name, you think, yeah, that's on the list. I mean, some of our children are named after people we know because they matter to us. And so we thought, yeah, we hope one day maybe they'll pick up some of those characters. But there's other names where you're thinking, I definitely don't want you to pick up any character in that name. And names change over the things. I did come up with a list of, and I'm not going to read them out. But there is an, a, a, what we call a naughty list from 2019. And they sort of say, these names are some of the naughty kids that you'll find. And I went through the list and I thought, my son's name's on that list. <laughs> is that right? And then the number one name, um, I know three children called that. And I would be delighted to call my child that because the three children I know are lovely. Um, so it's, it's up and down. But names matter. Do you know what your name means? Anyone brave enough to say if they know what their name means? Helper. So, oh, Jim means helper. Cool. My name's Scotland. Your name's person from Scotland. What, Scott? <laughs> That's the best name ever. Probably the best name in the church, to be honest. Person from Scotland. Scotland. Uh, yep, anyone else? Conqueror, Vince the Conqueror. Oh, oh. He is a real conqueror. <laughs> Anyone else? Doesn't it? Oh, Gary. We'll make one up for you. Okay, let's have a think. What we're going to call Gary means a wise one. Okay, we'll keep it there. Um, yes? It does, it does. Oh, wow. Oh, my name is Stephen. It means royal. Oh, yeah, lovely. Oh, well. So when it comes to Jesus, names matter, and there's lots of names and titles to Jesus. Anyone know how many titles that Jesus had? Things like Son of God, Son of Man, um, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Alpha and Omega. Anyone guess how many titles are out there for Jesus? 
198 titles. Sharon, uh, Morning Star, um, you know, so, so, but one of the ones we're going to look at today is, um, is from here. Now, Danny kicked us off last week by looking at one of the names being Wonderful Counselors. But, so let's read this together. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, Isaiah wrote this 750 years before the Messiah turned up. So 750 years before Jesus came, he prophesied these words. What would the Messiah look like? Well, he'd look like this. And you know, nobody got it. No, no one sort of sat down and go, this is what's coming. In fact, it's only after Jesus has been that we can actually see that this was a, a prophecy about what Jesus was going to be. Before that, no one sort of twigged that Messiah, well, he's going to be a wonderful counselor. He's going to be mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Their minds, they could not even get close to that, what it means to be mighty God. You see, Jesus was born into a Jewish nation. And their view of God is different to ours. Every day, they would pray. And they would pray three times a day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And worship him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Every day, three times a day, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. They would write it in their door frames. They would put it in little boxes on the heads. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the priests on the head. They would have it on their hand. They would teach it to the children. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then Messiah comes. And their, their concept of one is going to change. Imagine if I stood here, you know what I mean, one Sunday and said, oh, you know how we believe in, 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 in the Trinity, God and three persons? What if I stood and said, well, actually, I've got a bit more knowledge. It's not three persons, it's five. You would be horrified. You'd be at the point of going, maybe we need to take Steve out the back and throw some stones at him. It would be heresy. But you've got to think, what are these Jewish people thinking when, when along comes Jesus and now people are treating him, are saying that he is God? It's mind-blowing. Names matter. They matter so much that, uh, that people's names changed in the Bible. Abraham became Abraham. Sarah became Sarah. Jacob became Israel. Even Jesus was into that. He changed Simon's name to Peter. And when, when the angel turned up to Zechariah and then to, to Mary, he was quite specific with names. Call this baby John. You will call him Jesus. Names matter. There's another verse I want to point 
out to you. This one is from Micah. Again, it's a Christmas one. Don't we like Christmas verses? It says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, clans of Judah, love the language. It's almost like saying, where did the lost clan go to? Obviously, Scotland, because we have clans. Okay, maybe not. Um, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Bethlehem, even though you're teeny-weeny, you're in a backward place, in a, in, in a tiny, out-of-the-way thing. You know, Bethlehem would have been about the same size as Box. Anyone here from Box? I'm not going to offend anyone. Box, it's out of the way sort of place with, I mean, they don't even really have a shop. You know what I mean? It's a teeny weeny little place. You know what I mean? They used to have a pub, but not anymore. Used to have a cafe, but not anymore. You know what I mean? Box, teeny weeny, out of the way little place was just the same as Bethlehem. A little town in the middle of nowhere. But out of you will come someone who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times, whose origins are from old, ancient times. What's, it's a hint, another hint, from you someone of old is coming, from ancient times. Who's the most ancient? Oh, God. From you, God will come. So we know that he's going to be from old. We know he's going to be human because it says, didn't it, in the the first one, uh, for unto us a a child is born. But Isaiah gives us a glimpse that the child who's coming will be the Messiah. He will be God himself, the embodiment of God himself. And when his child grows up, He will reveal who he is. And he does. And I don't know how, how he did it, but some of the disciples got it. Didn't they? I, 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 I have this, the, the pictures of, of Jesus in the storm. And Jesus standing up, as they woke him up and It's like all hell has let loose. They're absolutely petrified. And Jesus stands up and says, Be calm. Be still. And it was. And every eye in that boat looks at him and goes, Who is it who controls the wind and the waves? And it says they were scared at the storm, but now they're terrified of the one who controls the storm. Jesus comes out to them walking on the water. And Peter goes, is that really you, Jesus? Tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. And he gets out of the water. And he starts to walk, gets out of the boat into the water and starts to walk on the water towards him. How cool would that be? And as he's walking, he takes his eyes off Jesus and realizes the storm that's raging. And he sinks. And Jesus reaches out and he grabs them and brings them back to the boat. And the Bible says 
that they worship him. These are Jews worshiping a man. Why? Because they have caught the glimpse that Isaiah was giving. That this isn't just a man. This is God himself here among us. And it takes them a while. And it takes a little bit for, for them to understand what's going on. Why? Because all their days, they've been brought up with that verse. All their days. And that here, they're given a glimpse. This is God amongst us. Now, the bit I've been struggling with all week is, is this word, mighty God. You ever thought that? I mean, it's there in the Bible, isn't it? His title is mighty God. But when Jesus came, did it feel like mighty God? Did he come and rule? Did he sort of come powerfully and say, I'm in charge now. You'll do as you're told because I am mighty God. It wasn't sort of Jesus' way, is it? He wasn't, you know, I mean... Uh, big and powerful. You know what I mean? He didn't come and, and, and rule over people like that. He came humbly. Like that, that on a donkey, he came humbly before Jerusalem. So what do we mean when we say mighty God? And does Jesus fulfill that? It's when we look at power. It's how we need to look at power to see what that means. Jesus goes to the temple one day with his disciples. And it says they're all standing by the wall, watching people putting their offerings into the, into the, the, the temple offering. Now, it was a hole in the wall. And as you put your coins in, they would rattle down. And Jesus and his friends are standing there watching as some people are putting in wax of coins and they're rattling down. But Jesus spots this, this widow come with two tiny coins and she puts them in and he stops his disciples and says, wow, wow, look at that. Look how much she gave. And the disciples are like, she hardly gave anything. All the other guys have given wax. She's given two teeny little coins. And Jesus says, no. She's given everything that she has. Her last might has gone. It's sacrifice. She sacrificed all that she had. And when it comes to the power of God, it's through sacrifice that is seen. You ever look at when the church really grew, always grew at a time of persecution? Pontius Pilate thought he'd get rid of Jesus. And what happened? It exploded in Jerusalem. And then along comes Nero, tries to get rid of the Christian. What happens? It explodes again. And you can look through, I could give you a whole list of, of emperors who try to get rid of this, this, this Christian second, as they called it. But every time they persecuted it, it would just grow and grow and grow. And every time they sort of tried to get rid of it, what would happen is they'd push it out into other parts of the world. And it would just explode through sacrifice. Things grew. And that's the power.
the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are, who are perishing, but to those, to, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. But God demonstrates his own love for us. While, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's the power of God is seen in sacrifice. And Jesus comes and says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's what he's saying. It's, it's the power of God. You know how, how difficult that is? I mean, we see the war raging around the world, don't we? You don't have to look far to, to Ukraine or to Gaza. And, but if you took Jesus' words, and love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, how difficult would it be for those? And what does that mean to us? My favorite film, the best film ever, has to be Braveheart. Have you seen it? Oh, what a film. It makes you so proud to be Scottish. Do you feel it? I, I would call my children Scott. Yeah, it's just a brilliant film. And, 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 and it, it all happens where I come from. You know, I come from a little village called uh, Selkirk. Selkirk means um, church in the forest teeny little place. We're famous, we're, we're all uh, known as suitors, and then a suitor is a um, shoemakers, so that's what the, the village was, was famous for. Um, they went to war with England, our village. You lot. And we sent every man, which in our time meant every, every person over the age of 14, and they went to war. And then came back a rider called Fletcher, signalman. And he came back and told the village that all the men had died in battle. Only one who survived was Fletcher. And he was fatally wounded and he too died. So once a year, we gather in my village and we, uh, we go round the town to make sure that we've not been invaded by the English. Which is quite amusing to me because half the riders are now English. And actually it's quite nice that half the riders are English. And when they come back to the town square, they get up and they do the dance. They have a flag and they, they do this dance with the flag as Fletcher told the people with, with the flag that the, the, all the men had died. They do this and there's a lower the flag. We remember the sacrifice. In Braveheart, you know where William Wallace was knighted? In our little tiny backward village called Selkirk. That's where he became a knight. And if you remember, at the end of the film, uh, Wallace has been killed and Robert the Bruce goes out to, to, to face the English. And he calls to the people and he said, you bled with Wallace. Well, you bleed with me. 
Christ is saying to us, will you bleed with me? Will you sacrifice? Will you make a difference? Will you love your enemies? Will you pray for those who persecute you? We had this in my youth group when I was a kid, and our youth pastor says, oh, we don't face persecution today. And my friend Ian stood up and said, yes, we do. Because every day when I go into school, I get persecuted for my faith. Every day, the bullies come looking for me. Why? Because what I believe. We're called to, to make a difference in the world, to be different, to sacrifice, to love. And where you work matters to God. You need to shine bright. You need to be the one who, 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 who speaks by what you do of him. Love, even though you might not be uh, uh, popular for it. The one who cares, the one who brings the birthday gifts, the one who loves the one that everyone's fallen out with, the one who doesn't join in with the, the gossip, but actually says truth and love. We're called to do that in families as well. I don't know what your family's like, but our family was always sort of fighting someone, hating someone else, and picking sides and all that. We're called to make the difference, to be light, to go and draw people in and to pray and to reconcile. What about in your, in your neighborhoods, your communities where you live? Can you be that light? Could you sacrifice? How will you bleed for him this week? That's the power. The power of the cross. It's not done in, 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 a, in a powerful way, as in what we expect in this world, in a, in a display of almost violence. It's done another way through sacrifice. Because if I'd been God... The stories in the Bible would be slightly different. They would be. You know, when they blindfolded Jesus and they hit him and said, Oh, come in, prophesy which one of us hit him. That person, if I was God and they'd hit me, that one would have dropped down dead. And I'd go, Was that him? When they tried to put the nails in my hands, they'd be banging on them for hours and hours, but they wouldn't be able to break the skin if I was God. And when they put me on the cross, Oh, I'd be up there for weeks and weeks. And they'd be thinking, how are we ever going to die? But I wasn't God. And he allowed himself to be hit. And he allowed those nails to be driven into his hands. And he allowed himself to die on that cross. Why? So he could make us right with him. That he could take the, the punishment for the things that we did wrong so that we could be reconciled to the Father. It's not out of guilt that we come to him. It's out of love. That's power. He made you right with the Father because he loves you that much. Even when you were God's enemies, he died for the things that you did wrong. He who had no sin became sin that you may become the righteousness of God. And when we come to him, it's never out of guilt because all our sins have been dealt with. 
It's out of love. He loves us. He wants to treat us as his children. He wants to welcome us home. Will we be like him? Let us pray. Oh, you've called us, Father, to a tough place. Living in this area, living in this country. And it seems dark and it can, and can feel hard. But help us to be light in these dark places. Help us to sacrifice ourselves for your kingdom. May we bring light and truth and love into these places. And work, Father. May we just shine for you. May people look at us and, and grab that small glimpse of you. In our communities, may we be known as a, as a people of love who steps out and does things in your name, who sacrifices. But use us for your kingdom. May we discover that the power that you talk about is actually a power is in, in sacrifice. As Romans says, we offer our bodies to you as a living sacrifice. Change us, renew our minds. May we know your will. So bless us, I pray in your name.